Hello and welcome back to the Comic Books Matter podcast. I am your host, Jesse, and with me today is an amazing new guest. She is a curator of hot takes, a stan of the good boys in BTS, no matter what BTS stands for. Uh, I am unsure of her stance on Rick Grayson at the moment. It's but not right good. now, <laughs> it's not good. But uh, with me today is Lizzie Garcia. Hello. Thank you for having me. Now let's just start with let's just start with Grayson because the whole discussion for today is Batman, and, the, and we'll probably have to mm-hmm. touch on other Batman characters. They could have done so much with the concept of Dick Grayson being shot in the head, and they picked Rick Grayson. Right. Um, so I have a motto, and it's that if I didn't read it, it didn't happen. And the last time I read anything with quote unquote Rick Grayson was when he got shot in the head because that's also when I put down Nightwing so he doesn't he's not canon because I didn't read it because when he got shot in the head that's when uh, the terrible Lobdell took over and that's where I dropped it too yes and then also I, that's when Tom's King's writing got worse yeah that, that's where um, I guess the experimental phase of that run goes I, I really I have I have too much of a fondness for that entire run. Um, but I understand like it, the problem. I like it to a point, And I yeah. thought at the end, it just, it needed some, like the whole arc with Bane was mm-hmm. too many parts. It was too long. There was too much filler of nothing. And I think part of that is because they gave him less issues. But the other part was... <sighs> I don't know the pacing of those issues. I had a lot of problems with. I, with some of some of the middle section, uh, I think he fell into a hole up. I love the artists I'm working with so much. Yeah. So I want to give them more screen time when the story didn't need that many issues. Like I think the War of Jokes and Riddles didn't need as many issues as it did. Oh, I I can't stand that. Yeah. That arc. I was so bored. Yeah, I think I think if it was shorter and tighter, it would have been really interesting. But the, it just the, nothing. There's the, a couple of issues. Nothing happened. There isn't the, most the entire time though. I was like, neither of these are jokes or riddles. They're just bad. You don't know what either of them are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've I, managed to walk around both of these terms and not hit any of them. It's like in in the Arkham games where Riddler's like solve this Riddler, and it's like Riddle me this a racetrack no riddler racing a car around a track is not a riddle and also if you let me retry the track that's also not like that's why batman keeps winning because you let him retry he just wants batman to keep trying until he gets it right it's it's not a riddle i think that leads into like that really good though mark russell's uh, one shot of the riddler for um you're the villain where basically where there's like you know what? i should yes. just retire <laughs> I really liked that. Riddler is hard to write. I will say there's like, cause you got to write the riddles and that's not easy to do. So I, I, I can't really be that harsh on anybody who like, doesn't get Riddler perfect because that takes, it takes a lot of time and it takes a writer who I guess in theory thinks that way. It's almost kind of the same with Joker. Joker is also hard to get right. Yeah, like there's I, a lot of variations of Joker, but a good Joker story has been done so many times that it's hard mm-hmm. to continuously do good Joker stories. And every single run of Batman, 
basically for modern Batman comics, DC editorial always pushes a Joker story, whether or not it fits. And I mean, I think that's more they're trying to go by what marketing thinks sells Mm -hmm. as opposed to what dictates a story, which I think is always going to be a poor decision. Um, But I mean, Batman comics also sell like 100,000 copies, which in comics world is a lot. A lot. What what do I know? I I think too with Joker, and it it becomes the frustrating thing with a lot of comics because I'm seeing it with Spider-Man even though he's not the topic of discussion. Uh, no matter who's tackling the run, everybody has to have, for some reason, their stamp on the most iconic villain. Yeah. Because there's no reason that Green Goblin should be back in Spider-Man right now, but Nick Spencer's bringing back Green Goblin in Spider-Man soon. You know what? Uh, I forgot about Nick Spencer's existence, and now being reminded of it is very disappointing. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, and it's the same thing with... Especially with James, like he had such an interesting premise with the designer, and then just to drop that right away and go straight to Joker, it felt frustrating. I I can't. I mean, maybe that was his decision, but part of me wonders if it wasn't, if that was like a DC editorial decision. I honestly think the best, like, like my favorite Batman runs are with characters who weren't necessarily classics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so like like scott snyder did a really great job of constantly introducing new interesting batman villains like court of owls that's maybe my favorite batman run ever mm-hmm. um next to like batman r.i.p but and then also you had mr bloom who's just really creepy and weird and mm-hmm. i think that dc is probably not going to touch him for a long time because i don't know if anybody wants to, other than Scott Snyder. Yeah, it, it's really fascinating, especially with Snyder and Joker, too. Like, he, he, I think he has two of the, some of the best Joker stories within the, that run, also. But at the same time, he, I felt like he only used it when he had a Joker story. Yeah. And I also and think. He, yeah. It's one of those things where I think he gets Joker. And part of mm-hmm. that is Scott Snyder has such good horror roots. Um, like he he wrote horror comics before he wrote Batman comics. And yeah. I think mm-hmm. Batman comics do really well when they're written by horror writers. Apparently Tenian is a different beast right now. I don't know. I do also think he's in an awkward place because he had to pick up where King left off and King left off in a weird place because he got his run cut down. And on top mm-hmm. of getting cut down, it was getting basically reviewed into the ground by myself included sorry tom king um i respect it's okay, you a lot tom king. I, still like, I, I still liked it <laughs> i think between that and heroes in crisis like tom king just didn't have the greatest year with comics yeah it well, I, don't, I was talking to another critic earlier this week about tom king in general because we were talking about uh strange adventures number two and I've, I've come to the conclusion from talking with him that maybe Tom should just make graphic novels in a lot of ways, because when his stories are told piecemeal like that, it always feels like at some point the ball gets dropped by the reader or by him. But if you read it all together as one conclusive run, it feels way tighter. I will say, I think Tom King is best when he's writing weird. Yeah, that's true also. Mr. Miracle is weird. Strange Adventures, which I'm still really liking. Um, is weird. Vision is weird. Vision's great. Um, even even Grayson. Grayson's weird. It, 
it, and like it's it's and so is in some ways Sheriff of Babylon. Yeah, I feel I feel like it's when he's writing genre. Yeah, that's where he hits it right on the head, and especially when he's imitating someone he loves, like with Mr. Miracle. And, uh, he was like super into the Alan Moore stuff at that yeah. time. And, and and it's a lot of you know I mean there's a lot of Kirby in that obviously. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to Mitch Gerards about that run when he was at nc comic-con i interviewed him you know when we were allowed to go to comic-cons yeah and um he said that it's 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 really a love letter to all of comics and like all of what makes comics special and i think that's definitely indicative and 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 i think tom king i think he's a great writer when he kind of has that freedom Mm -hmm. um and I also, I mean, I don't know as much about what was behind the scenes per se, but I can tell you, like, just talking to Scott Snyder when he talks about Dark Knight's metal and now Dark Knight's death metal, like, DC gave him all control. Mm-hmm. So it is another one of those things where if editorial reigns in too much, which editors obviously are important, like, I have been an editor for, like, five years, both in the real world and online. Um, editors are very important, but at the same time, yeah. if you're an if your editing team is dictating a story instead of reining a story in, like that's a problem. And I think that's a problem that's across the board in especially big two comics. Probably not as much on the indie side, mm-hmm. um, particularly Image, because Image, I think you can outright refuse to have an editor because you're yeah. I think around, there's so. some big names who just don't use editors at all. Yeah, which I mean. That's understandable, especially if you're a creator of color. The last thing you want to do is to have a white editor edit and try to dictate your story, at least from a, you know, narrative perspective. Yeah. So I I understand that hesitation. I don't blame them. Um, But I do think, I mean, it was kind of that thing. And and Scott Snyder is probably my favorite Batman writer ever. But it's one of those things where going back to, I remember when people were saying, people were upset because the Batman movie is going to be rated R. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, everybody complaining about this doesn't read modern Batman comics. Like, I yep. can just tell. Because there is nothing that you can put on the page from, like, good classic Batman comics that is not R-rated. Yeah, You cannot do, like, like Death of a Family. That that has to be R-rated because Joker's face is literally cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just everything has like that's the beauty of Batman is it's this dark, broody, like over the top, so many horror elements dripping in it, but never quite outright horror until it is. And I mean, that's the beauty of the book. So to delegate that to only be PG thirteen is honestly a disservice to the art that it's, you know, to its source material. And I think a lot of like, particularly film Twitter was all up in arms about it. Like, Oh, we're getting another R rated movie. And I'm just like, number one, they make billions of dollars. I didn't uh see Joker, but someone did clearly. Um, I regretfully did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then number two, it's because the source material is not for children. Mm hmm. And I think people forget that. I think about um, Batman character. I think about Batman a lot in in the the sense of writing, and 
like art, art's super important for Batman comics, no doubt about it. Uh, Scott Snyder's work wouldn't have been as incredible if Greg Capullo didn't like just Absolutely. go with, just go with it and just like throw a convention to the wind, especially with that first arc. Because I remember when they talked about doing the upside down um, and like in like the maze when he's getting lost in the yeah in the underground said no. Yeah, DC said no, and they both pushed for it. And then when they got printed, Scott called Greg. He's like, I think we messed up. I look, I don't think it's printed right. <laughs> because no one did stuff like that. So it just didn't look right to either of them, even though they pushed for it. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think mostly when it comes to Batman, I think he's very much a writer's character, more than an artist in a lot of ways. Yeah. And... I, I mean, he has such a classic Mm-hmm. kind of design you can't really i think the only person of late who's really played with that design is maybe sean gordon murphy but to be frank i don't enjoy white knight in that universe but i would say that's the only person who's more played around with just because he has such a unique art style yeah besides murphy's politics um <laughs> i like i like the first white knight i think the second one's very messy but uh, no, but talking about writers, I think the Batman can never be written unless it's strictly for kids. Like unless you're like your purpose is for kids. If you're writing a normal Batman story, he's such an adult themed character more than any most of most of the DC main DC pantheon. Like if you just take the trilogy, Wonder Woman, people have been messing up Wonder Woman for a while. But um, I feel like Wonder Woman's way more fit good to be family friendly. Same with Superman. But Bat- I mean, Batman's origin is literally his parents got shot and he got mad. His and... origin is is laced in trauma and the yeah. inability to move past trauma. And also just the ideology of instead of fighting your demons to tame them, to become them, to accept them. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, maybe they can't put their finger on why it appeals to them. But it, it, I mean, it's always going to appeal to a darker part of the human psyche. I mean, that's why I love Batman because he's this ridiculous fighter who never gives up despite the odds. And I also like the fact that he can win any fight because he can Mm -hmm. outthink his opponent. Mm -hmm. And people always like, you know, they always give like, Oh, that's Batman privilege. But no, he can actually outthink his opponent. Mm -hmm. And he knows that. And I think it's the beauty with every run is even if they're trying something different, it will hit that adult level at some point. Because if you go with Death in the Family, you couldn't make that PG-13. Uh, no. Robin literally gets blown up. <laughs> but there's yeah. so much other stuff going on in that that's too heavy for a PG. Because people also think that like R-rated movies are just violent in language. It's like, no, it's themes and it's like themes. Topic, topics discussed. Like That's what causes the heaviness of an R-rated movie most of the time. Yeah. Um, I think about uh, Alan Grant's work. I think about Frank Miller's work. I think about um, Judd Winnick's work. I feel bad that I'm only naming men, but that's the tragedy of Batman in a lot of ways. There's not really very many women who have been able to put their stamp on Batman. I've been wanting a woman to write Batman for a while now. Getting that, uh, um, getting those kind of one-shot stories in those collections with different uh women writers and non-binary writers uh, has been so nice uh when they come up but i just i just want to run <laughs> i just want to like give me at least six issues please if anything i think joelle jones really held her own on catwoman mm-hmm. 
incredibly oh, yeah. well. I loved that Catwoman run volume one and two. And I, I would love to see her take on Batman. And I think she would do really well. I also mm-hmm. think because she's a writer and an artist, she knows how to craft a story around the art. Because mm-hmm. the art in Catwoman, I still remember that first issue. There is a panel where she's sliding down like an escalator to you know get away from cops. And the way it was drawn was just so fluid and so mm-hmm. beautiful. And that's can only be done by somebody who understands art. I'm not saying that writers don't understand art, but you're never going to understand art like an artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I would love to see her put her stamp on it. Um, you know, I, w- I would like to see Gail potentially do something. Gail Simone, because I mean, her run on Batgirl, her run on Birds of Prey is famous. You know, it's it's what's made me a fan of her. I think she could easily put her stamp on the Dark Knight in some creative way. Um. There's a lot of women who could easily, and non-binary individuals who could easily knock that out of the park if they're given the chance, and that's the problem, mm-hmm. is that they're not given a chance. <laughs> like I know there's the the Detective Comics collection coming up soon for issue uh, 1027, yes. and I'm super excited for Kelly Sue DeConnick's Batman story. Yes, because I, I heard her pitch it, and it sounds cool. And Kelly Sue's really good <laughs> at what she does. Kelly Sue DeConnick's great. I will say. Um, I mean, I love her Captain Marvel, but I really love her mm-hmm. Bitch Planet. Mm-hmm. Bitch Planet is, is I mean, that's that's got some dark themes to it. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think anybody who's basically in tune with their more fucked up version of themselves can write a Batman book. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think what, even if you're not, like, traumatized in any way, like, let's just say you have a pretty positive life, but if you're a writer... Batman, I think, in some ways, just pulls that out of you, too. Like, you find some kind of trauma to work with. And that's why I even think, when, even when he's not written as a horror comic, if he's written as a genre book, or if he's written uh, more so like Tom King's exploring the emotional side of everything in a lot of ways, it pulls out the trauma, though, no matter where it shows up. And I will say, I really liked Tom King writing... Batman and Catwoman. There were some mm-hmm. things I didn't love, but I was willing to overlook them because the most of it was really good. I don't know how I feel about his upcoming Batman Catwoman book, if only because she's pregnant and I hate that. Yeah, I don't I don't know because I know she's pregnant. She doesn't many... need more children. Yeah, I don't like, know. Let me just say what's going on with that book entirely still. If there's any man who needs no more children. It is Batman. <laughs> but as always, I do want Helen on the back in any way possible. That's fine. She technically is already one of his children. Like she, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, that, I don't that's know. something always to explore too. With comes Batman versus other DC characters too. Is he doesn't he he builds such a a family for himself? And yeah, I know people complain that it's too big. In some ways, um, never made that complaint, but I'm no, probably I, a minority. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Like, uh, I don't. I'm not. I don't like calling people out, so I'm not naming names. But I, I torture myself all the time because I just have to hear people's uh, takes that I disagree with. It's okay. And people tell me every day how much they ta- they hate Damian Wayne. Literally, yeah. in my all the time. 
Or if, Damian Wayne's Damian Wayne's uh, Damian Wayne is literally one of the best additions to the Batman. I, in like he's my years. favorite Robin. Because he's is the, he one that, the best Robin. No, that's Timothy. But that's not the point. Is but, he the best for Batman because they're both the same and they're both little tiny gremlins who just yeah. fight each other? Yes, and it's great. I mean, he's the best idealization of Robin. I think that's why Grant yes. Morrison kind of made him because he knew that every Robin wasn't Batman and Robin needed to be a little Batman in a lot of ways. Especially because, I mean, you're writing a world where you're having a child soldier. Mm-hmm. And you can't just, ha- like, this isn't the 60s anymore. You can't just pick up some kiddo off the street and be like, yeah, this is totally, this totally flies in a post 9-11 world. No, you need some real messed up kiddo from some messed up world. <laughs> And that's like, this child is. stealing my hubcaps. Come with me, child. Yeah, yeah. Oh, poor Jason. Um, Jason is a better character after he died, and that's that's my hot take. No, J- Jason is a hundred percent better character after he died. Jason is a worse character after he became a hero. Um, I do that, like antihero. I do like <laughs> antihero Jason. I don't mind if he's on good terms with his brothers. I don't like when he's on good terms with Bruce. I don't like when he's not. This is a bad term for it because I think this term is used poorly in a lot of descriptions. But I do not like when he's sane in a lot of ways either. Um, I think about how he acts in Battle for the Cow a lot. <laughs> and that's the kind of uh, Jason Todd I want. I really liked. I mean, Arkham Knight's not perfect as a game, mm-hmm. but I actually really liked that Jason. Oh, it's very good, Jason. Because he he does a lot of really terrible, terrible things, but you always feel for him, which is kind of what's important when Jason's doing really terrible things. You have to feel bad for him. And and, that's and if why, you don't, yeah. then you've kind of failed as a writer. Yeah, that's why Judd Winnick like, nailed the formula right off the bat. Yes. Because... Yes. Under the Red Hood and just the whole Red Hood stuff with Joe Winnick. And Lost is, Days, if you read Red Hood Lost Days. Yeah. It's the it's, same. It's so good. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's perfect Batman tragedy in that one book. I'm very excited to get a new creative team on Jason. I said it. I'll say it again. I think a woman should be writing Jason Todd because Jason Todd's biggest fans are gay women. And I, I think that's 100% fair. And I think the, the they kind of, they did this in um, Batman Eternal. And I think this might have been James's idea. Because I think James wrote, the, I think he said he wrote the Bible for that uh, series. Him, yeah, him, him, and, him and Scott him and Scott, Yeah. Um, but the idea of him and Bar- Jason and Barbara is such a better idea in a lot of ways than Dick and Barbara. Now, Can I just my, tell you that that's yeah. my, sh- like, that's my ship. The reason for that is, I think... Like, both of them, but, like, as I've gotten older, I'm like, no, she should be with Jason. And and the reason for that, I think, is because we both have gotten older, too, when it comes to growing up with these characters. Because Dick Grayson is, like, the perfect guy in a lot of ways. Like, uh, he, has, he has issues. Don't get me wrong. He has plenty of issues. But, like, the he's the idealist of um, what a guy should grow up to be. Especially somebody coming from a broken home. Like, he's the perfect idea. He's what Bruce always wanted to be. In a lot of ways. And I think Barbara already has that person in her dad in a lot of ways. She's dating her dad. If she dates Dick. Um, and that's that's weird. I also think Barbara has a lot more darkness. And I like when writers play with that. I think yeah, Burnside when- was a step back. 
in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. you know it 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 made Barbara kid friendly, which is fine. But I think the issue with that is she's still a woman. She still nearly killed multiple people because she almost crossed that line. And like to just kind of throw that away is disappointing. Um, I think a lot of hardcore Babs fans have multiple issues with Burnside. Um, creator aside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think Barbara and Jason have a lot of the same darkness. And that's why I'm attracted to the idea of the two together. And I loved their interaction in Batman Eternal. I mm-hmm. loved the moment where, you know, Barbara jokingly is like, I didn't take you as a damsel in distress. And Jason's perfect response is really because I took you as a knight in shining armor because they're perfect. And if that's not flirting, then I've been clearly doing it wrong my whole life. I, I hate to say whenever, like, I think an author should never, someone should never write this character other than one particular author. But I think for the most part, Barbara should never be written unless it's by Gail Simone. Yeah. <laughs> In a lot of ways. Because or Gail really just understands just, that. Also just, I mean, that's not true. Because the recent Batgirl has been written by a woman and I, I didn't like it. I haven't read any of the recent Batgirl stuff since Gail. Is it Marguerite, Marguerite Scott, I think her name, she wrote before someone else took over but i i mean i remember reading the issue and like it was this whole thing of like barbara got tased in the back so obviously mm-hmm. her you know her mm-hmm. spinal implant kind of went out and she was having trouble not needing a chair and she one called herself broken and then told her dad that gordons don't give up because i guess using a wheelchair is giving up oh, and i no. mean i just lost it like i lost it like i i have an article on but why though podcast.com where I write a lot of things mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's that's just complaining, not complaining. I would say it's more eloquently worded than a complaint, but it started as I'm very upset by this panel. Yeah, I'm I'm going to angrily write because I, I mean, it was it's disheartening, especially as somebody who adores Oracle, mm-hmm. like Oracle means so much to me you know, as a disabled woman, as she does to many disabled comic book fans. So just to have that be a, felt feels like a slap in the face to, as if her being Oracle was giving up or her being Oracle is somehow less value when in the actuality of comics, she was a more valuable character to the whole of the DC universe as Oracle because she was more powerful. But yeah, I, I definitely, I don't disagree with you. I think, I yeah. think they should give give Gail Batgirl again. I don't think they will, but I would love that. I mean, if they don't give it to Gail, give it to Kelly Sue, because they're on the same wavelength, I think. Of I would like area. that. I would yeah. be really for know, a Kelly Sue Deconic Batgirl. Like, that could be really cool. I, I know she's wrapping up Aquaman, and I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly from the last podcast I listened to her on, she said she's in negotiations for another DC character, but I do not remember who. I hope love her on a bat. Honestly, I would take her on any bat family book. She yeah, would write a good Jason. Yeah, I think I know she has an issue with Batman in general, so she can't. I don't think she would ever write a full Batman book unless she really got to destroy him. Um, That's fair. I would. I would let her. I, I mean, do I, would she wants. I would let anybody at this point uh, just utterly destroy him, but that will never happen. Sadly. Sometimes you have to destroy things to bring it back. It's like a forest not, fire. Not unless me, me or you become editorial uh, or uh, 
publishers, <laughs> they'll never never let Batman be destroyed. I think enough DC publicists follow me on Twitter to know that I should not be working at DC because I got too many hot takes about yeah, too many things. And I'm not quiet. Good. That's when the comics become good again. I'm not um, quiet about it. I honestly think this is again tangents, but that's what this is this episode's about, uh, or the show's about, is I think Marvel got really good when they're you know they're like, you know what, let's just do whatever. And I mean, that- there is there is a point where I mean, I I don't read nearly as many, if any, Marvel comics now, not by choice, but partially mm-hmm. because I just don't have a shop near me, and two, mm-hmm. I'm so far behind that it's hard to pick up on anything. Oh yeah, I'm um, with you. And I just, I'm always going to be a DC girl. I'm obviously mm-hmm. not exclusionary, but you know, everybody's got their leanings, which is totally fine. Um, but I mean, I'm I always going to be a DC guy, but. There were that that mid two uh, two two uh, thousands that mid twenty tens Marvel ha- grabbed me so hard. Oh with, yeah, like, just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what absolutely. Stuck. Um, I will say that like I mean, a fractions Hawkeye was a risk. It's a risk that clearly paid the hell off. But damn, if, if that delayed, book wasn't a risk, was, yeah, it was a huge risk. Especially, I always think about the entirely uh, the issue entirely in sign language. I yeah. don't know sign language. And like that should have just turned me off from that series. I'm like, this is this. Do more of this. No, I I actually spoke to him at Heroes Con to Matt Fraction about that issue, and he said that because I remember one of the questions I asked was, was it hard to get approval from Marvel? And he said at that point the book was such a juggernaut that mm-hmm. Marvel wasn't telling them no on anything. Yeah, and I love that. I love and the yeah. idea that it, I mean, I think that's what happened with Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder got mm-hmm. to do weird bullshit that turned out great because his book was a juggernaut. Yeah, I, I think I think it's so hard to balance the idea of editorial versus um, just like restricting your creators because uh, I, I was listening to people talk about Denny O'Neill when he was Bat- the Batman editor. And he was never the, like, okay, don't do this, don't do this. He was always like, okay, why are we doing this? Let's work out the story reasons. And if it doesn't work, we have to figure out another way. And that's way better than just saying, no, let's just, let's just play it safe. Yeah, I agree. I feel, I feel like there's so many, not all of them, because I follow a lot of editors, and I get to hear their processes. And I think there's a lot of really great editors on both uh, companies. But I follow other editors who just don't seem to... Uh, <laughs> uh, want to do anything interesting with the characters that they're editing. Um, Cause I remember. We'll reading say, yeah. Well, I was going to say, sometimes you can tell that whether it be a creative team, marketing team or an editorial team, sometimes people don't know why a character reaches a certain group. Mm-hmm. And I think the best example of us going back to Jason Todd is Jason Todd's fans are primarily female. And a lot of them are gay. Mm-hmm. And like the reason he reaches them is because he seems like the type of like himbo energy to just mm-hmm. protect the most, you know, minority marginalized groups in Gotham. So like I remember I tweeted it and it did pretty well, but like I would kill for a story where just Jason takes down protesters who stand outside of clinics and harass women. Mm-hmm. getting healthcare. I would kill for a story where Jason takes down politicians who are clearly homophobic and promoting homophobic legislation. Shit, I would kill for Jason Todd just dismantling and defunding himself, the GDCP. 
Like those are like that's the reason Jason is beloved. It's not because yeah. he's some edge lord. And I I don't know if that clicks. But, and, but that's the thing. Like that's the idea of J- uh, Jason Red Hood and the Outlaws. Besides Lovedell's writing, like the concept of him, uh, Bizarro and Artemis should work on paper because because it's the Dark Trinity. Yeah, and it's like. Jason, as you said, has like big himbo energy. Bizarro, same thing, and he's a little dumb, so people like that. And Artemis is like one of the biggest, I feel like, queer icons in the Wonder Woman universe, next to Wonder Woman herself. And and I will say that as many issues as that run and Lobdell have, I think that they did pretty okay for giving Artemis bisexual representation. Mm. Um, she did have a love affair with a woman. Um, I was not surprised, although very disappointed, when Lobdell straight up said that he considers himself an inspiration for how he writes Jason Todd. And I was like, that's why you write fan fiction, not actual published work, my dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do agree with you that sometimes I don't think editorial teams quite grasp or have the passion for characters. And I also understand that like you're not going to have a passion for every character you're editing. But unfortunately, that sometimes shows. And you don't have to agree with every creative team's ideas, but be passionate that they're having ideas. Uh, I remember, yeah. remember when uh, they announced the death of Deadshot in that solicitation, and I read the editor's comments uh, for the Suicide Squad book, and she's like, I worked for two months to get this approved. <laughs> like, this is something that's going to be good, because I worked so hard because I believed in it. And I'm like, I want to read more of those stories from editors, not more of like, well, we did this because we thought that's what the market wanted. Yeah, for sure. And I and and I think part of it is a lot of times I don't, don't know if companies know how diverse their readership really is. Even yeah. though 100 studies will say it, if you still have white cis men in every single leadership role, you're never going to see just how vast and diverse your readers are. It's not possible. And that becomes the issue with um, when you're getting your only feedback from the online resources yeah the angry people are going to be the loudest i i am bad yes. at this i need to comment more when i like something because it's almost 90 percent people who don't like something they're commenting i do think it's really interesting that so comic book roundup is basically like kind of metacritics of comic books right so it's an aggregate yeah. and and my reviews end up there right now consistently and i mean i'm a harsh critic i will be the first mm-hmm. to tell you that i'm very hard to please I've, um, I've read some of your reviews and I, I, I see it. I, I can think um, <laughs> sometimes my partner will like text me or I'll text him like screenshots that I've written. And I'm like, is this bad? And he's like, Jesus Christ, did you want to leave them like some blood? Mm-hmm. Any of their vital organs? Um, but uh, I will say that consistently right now with Batman, like I see that I'm the only woman reviewing it on comic mm-hmm. book like on that aggregate, which mind you, people look at that, that aggregate mm-hmm. matters. That's how we get a lot of views on the site. And I think another thing is in addition to needing women and non-binary individuals and women of color and men of color in leadership roles, we also need them, we need to give them opportunities in media. It, it's the same thing when uh, Kate Sanchez, our editor in chief, she reviewed the Birds of Prey one shot um mm-hmm. which is a great was, review right and it was bad book great review 
it was a great review because her lens matters. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's frustrating to see books like that and even books like current Batman just get 10 out of 10 out of the water because some white fanboy just will will do anything for Batman. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, maybe change it up. Maybe I mean, a little less mayonnaise on the Batman story here. At this point, I've stopped reading most review sites. I read two and I read you guys now. And I read uh, Adventures in Poor Taste because I feel like both of you are willing to be more critical of the more popular titles. Where people just tend to be critical of the lesser titles and give the popular titles the free reign. And you know what I will say? And I mean, part of that is people are scared. And I get mm-hmm. it. I'm sure I've, I've burned quite a few bridges I don't even know about by being critical. But I will say that when I give a positive review especially to a DC book, it always gets picked up more Mm -hmm. than other sites who give positive reviews to everything because I think it has more credibility. Yep. And that's the same with, yeah. And that's the same with anybody who writes for, um, but why though? Not just myself where I think we, we push criticism a lot more, you know, not everything is perfect. Tell me why it's not perfect. Be mean. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's the, the concept of a perfect book is so... It's the same thing as the concept of a perfect game if you talk about game reviews, but right. the concept of perfect media is in itself an issue because there's no such thing. Um, the, identi- the idea of a point scale, like the, the top of a point scale shouldn't be this thing's perfect. It should be um, this is the, the, one of the best things of this genre or uh, media that I have consumed, and here are the reasons why. It can still have negative, but do the negatives outweigh the positives? That's always the thing when it comes to those point scales. And I feel like people forget that in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think comparing it to game reviews is good because obviously there's a lot of games that are a perfect 10, but it's like, you know, you're still Mm going to play it. You're still going to find a bug. You're still going to find a menu option you don't love. You're still going to find a UI issue, even if it's minuscule. That doesn't take away from it being one of the greatest pieces of media ever, you know, created. Yeah. And and I think it's important too when, um, I hear people talk about reviews. I always hear about how the editor look at the reviews. I don't know how you guys do it. You can tell me if this is similar. <laughs> but um, I always appreciate the ones where people will read the review. Like the editors will read the review. Okay, defend it without using the points in this review. Like defend your score. And um, yeah, but why there does something similar? We we have to give, I guess, like a backstage look. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, I, I'm not currently editing, but. I edited with them for almost three years as a senior editor. I just took a step back for like my brain. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> and, um, but I, I obviously still love that team dearly. And I still do a lot over there because mm-hmm. every, every time we have to talk to a comic company, it goes through me. So I'm still, uh, still doing work. But um, one of the things we have like a lot of guides and we've written guides for like, what is a five out of five? What is a four out of four? What is a three? Mm-hmm. Out, you know, like all of that. Um, and so it's, it's, it's very much through an academic lens, kind of like how you're saying, where like, mm-hmm. you, you're defending your point. Um, we often encourage writers to be more critical. Like, don't. It's, it's really easy to write a review of why you love something. It is difficult to write a review of why you dislike something. Especially if you don't, if you feel bad hurting people's feelings in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. And you want that criticism to be like genuine, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I, 
I also, I do not believe in tagging creative teams in negative reviews. I know people disagree with that. I personally think it is crass and rude because if somebody wants to see the full scale of a review, they will go find it themselves. That's why people name search themselves on Twitter. Yeah. That's why people Don't Google worry. search every, themselves. Almost every creator, unless they just hate looking at reviews, will name search themselves today. Absolutely. Um, but I, so I, I mean, I think that's another reason I'm not scared to be harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I have one. I had a, I wrote a like scathing review of a Vampirella book and I won't say which one um but the creator then followed me and then she dm'd me and she was like hey I really like your review because you're the only person who actually called me out on things that an editor should have known mm-hmm. and I was like oh okay interesting thank you um I mean yeah. and that's why it's important because you also you'll learn um the creators who don't like criticism and maybe that makes those creators lesser in your eyes when you find them. Oh yeah. Like I I mean I gave the most recent um Dark Knight's Death Metal book a four point five and the only reason it got point five is because there was one of the characters' lettering was incredibly hard to read because of the color choice. And I did oh, mention yeah. that I had a digital I said I had a digital copy. It could be a lot easier on a printed version, which it usually is. Um, but he, under the review, the actual letterer, like, commented, I'm sorry I failed you. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't fail me. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I was like, I appreciate you reading it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's important. And and again, uh, critiques to uh, being used as a weapon or is bad don't do that sure. never do that for sure but but critiques used as this is just how i feel and and at the same time using it as a tool is extremely important that's why being critical is always important as long as it's in a kind of like a pure mindset in a lot of ways yeah um because you you can't get better unless you know what you're doing wrong I think a lot of times, and and this is part of the you know the rise of like stand culture, but a mm-hmm. lot of people take any criticism as toxicity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is always a problem with comic books. Always going to be a problem with comic books where, uh, if you criticize anything Batman does, there's like a subset of people who are like, mur, 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 and it's like no, it's okay. Like mm-hmm. I I get it, and at this point. I have like a thread because I know exactly how to respond. But if you don't know, I have like the hill I really want to die on is Martha Wayne's pearls. Uh huh. So real pearl necklaces and like actually most fakes are tied between each knot. So if a pearl necklace breaks, the pearls do not all just scatter. Mm -hmm. You lose maybe one. But usually you don't lose any of them. You just break the string and then you can repair the string. It's a lot easier. Um, so that famous panel, you know, in Dark Knight Returns, where yeah, her yeah. pearls are just, you know, scattered for pages on pages. And in drives, every movie after that. Right. And every movie after that drives me up the goddamn wall. And I always put it out. And mind you, I understand. It's an aesthetic. It's pretty. But I also believe the reason that aesthetic exists is because there are men who do not know that is how you make pearl necklaces. I mean, my favorite, my favorite con- concept of the same thing is during the wedding issue, before they did it, before they did the wedding issue, uh, uh, 
Joel Jones asked Tom King, like, hey, so what's the wedding dress look like? And he didn't have, he didn't know, because he didn't, he didn't care, <laughs> really. And she goes, oh, well, no, I'll just design it myself. And let me tell you, that's the best wedding dress anybody's ever made <laughs> in a lot of I, ways. I pre-ordered the statue of her in her wedding dress. Because it's someone who because cares. Because it's perfect. Yes. Yeah, it's someone who cares about it and understands it, designing Be- it. Because a woman designed that dress. And that issue came out around the same time as, like, the, the X-Men wedding that mm-hmm. also same. Because <laughs> no one's allowed to get married in comics. Um, and you could tell which wedding dress was designed by a woman. Yeah, and it's um, extremely important. Because I remember that J. Scott Campbell, like, cover... Oh. Of, I guess it was Kitty Pride in her wedding dress. And I mean, it looked exactly like the cover of Mary Jane in her wedding dress because the oh, man can only draw one yeah. wedding dress. Every J. Scott Campbell woman in the wedding yeah, dress? Yeah, the same like silhouette. 60? It's the same silhouette. And don't get me wrong, the older J. Scott Campbell art, I really like. And I, will, and I understand that that's a problematic take, but I don't care. Like, when he was doing the, I have it, the cover of Black Cat, Mm-hmm. Uh, kissing Spider-Man and like MJ's looking that's a great cover but like 10 years later it just a lot of the art lost I mean, its appeal if we're talking about right now Gillian March great yeah. artist he cannot draw women in any kind of form of realism oh my gosh I have oh, I feel awful I have I have torn that man to pieces with his his close-ups are horrible. I mean, they look dead in the face. Catwoman yeah. looked dead in the face in the last two issues. But Batman looks so good. <laughs> looks so good. So and I'm problem. just like, I mean, the man should work for Ubisoft. Yeah, he can. He can't. He can draw, <laughs> he can't. He draw man, but he cannot draw women. He can't draw women. And it's it's really it's really not that different. It's still a human face. Yeah. I mean, but even I, in like the body too, I just get so Exactly. Yeah, he he gave Catwoman a lot of ribs. He gave more everybody. ribs. That's the skinniest I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I I've consistently really disliked the art, and comics is one of those things where some people can overlook bad art, but I'm not one of them because I'm not just reading this for a story. I would yeah. read a novel. Yeah, I just stare at Batman when it comes to some of those scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Tricky my, my eyes on him. Um, God. The coloring was so beautiful in the scenes with him and the designer. Like it was oh, yeah. just amazing. The like the sword fight, it was so good. And then you when- flip a page over, and Punchline has b- boobs that are clearly have Nerf football implants because nothing is that perfectly circular. And then you got Harley Quinn with, you know, the waist of like a twelve-year-old Russian gymnast. Like it's just, it's, it's so much is wrong. Yeah, and I and I think back to my favorite versions of these of these of these art artists and art, and I always go back to Mitch in a lot of ways, because Mitch is just so good at drawing people <laughs> as people. Yeah, but at the same time, it, he I think he has a hard time drawing them as heroes in a lot of books. I think Batman and uh, and Strange Adventures he does it really, well. but um. I always, I always feel like I'm, I'm watching like a, a weird romantic comedy when I was reading Mr. Miracle at times because of how Mitch draws people. It is a romantic comedy. Like it's, it's a weird one, but it's, it's I can definitely book, see good. how it's romantic comedy. I mean, I think it's one of the best books ever written, ever. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I agree with that. I think, I think uh, Mitch draws just really well at making expressive faces, and part of that is he's not scared to make women look ugly. It, it's the same. So- 
And it's like, it's not that Big Bart is ugly. It's just Mm -hmm. that sometimes when you're yelling, you don't look stunning. (laughs) Yeah. And like, she's the most realistic in a lot of ways. Same thing with, um, I'm so bad at this. I forgot Adam Strange's wife's name. But um, I know who you're talking about. I forgot her name as well, even though I just read that issue. (laughs) Yeah. The newest issue. I read it today. And um, she, she looks like just a normal person. And like, that's so important in a lot of ways. I agree. Like unless unless the characters that like purposely does like Bardo should be tall and muscular and just insane looking, but a normal woman should just look like a normal woman in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think I think it's okay to have exaggerated proportions to a point. Obviously, with Barda, but the face is going to still be a human. And I'm also mm-hmm. I'm okay with really stylized art, like even outside of like. CJ Scott Campbell, Babs Tar draws oh, yeah. really stylized art. I mean, you could easily argue that some of the women in her art don't quote unquote have organs, but I, I still really enjoy it. I still really like it. Um, I think she does faces a lot better um, that are more it, expressive and emotive. But like, I think there's a difference that people compute uh, over sexualization with like, that's why it's bad. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you can have highly sexualized art. That's really good. It's just the reason you point it out is because something doesn't quite look human. You still have to keep the humanity. Yeah, I don't I don't know where he stands now. And last time I heard he seemed kind of like a bad person. But Frank Joe's like women look pretty normal in a sexy way in a lot of times. Like I don't remember his art being ever too like this is unrealistic. Like they're always perfect, but they're not like, oh, she's missing part of her body. <laughs> Yeah, the only time I think he's really gotten in trouble are things he literally wasn't allowed, like he didn't publish for a, a company. Yeah, like they, his told, own they told him not to and he got mad. <laughs> like, those are yeah. the only times I hear him get in trouble and like the public eye is like, he's like, I want to do this. And I'm like, please don't do that. And he's like, well, now you're censoring me. <laughs> oh, yeah. When when Greg Rocco was like, hey, so that's not going to be published. And he yeah. lost his ever loving shit. His Wonder Woman variant, which again, I love his art as a whole, but like, that personality is bad. Yeah, it's very frustrating. And I think in comics, there's a lot of like, there's just a lot of bad guys in comics, both on the books and writing them. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the truth of the matter. Do I think Kevin McGuire is really good at hitting superheroes, but also humans at the same time? Yeah. So I was reading uh, that Superman issue that he just did. Yeah. Uh, and his faces are just always amazing. <laughs> Like, they're over-expressions, but they're so... They communicate exactly what you need. I will say, um, I don't know if you read... Which, it's a Batman book, so it technically falls under what the tangent's supposed to be about. Uh, Batman Last Night on Earth. Yes. There was this stunning panel with Grayson where he's just so happy to see Bruce. And, like, he has, like, tears in his eyes. And I was like, Greg Capullo, and I don't remember who the colorist was. I think it was FCO, but I could be wrong. Um, the two of them together just, I mean, oh God, it like broke my heart. That art was so beautiful. Um, and like Greg just posted recently his, the difference between Bruce and, um, and Clark when he draws them, because yeah. people like, like to say Greg draws the same character. Um, and it's I don't subtle, agree but with it's that there. At all. Yeah. But I mean, that is like a criticism of his that he gets thrown around in the later Batman stuff that every character looked exactly the same in the face. 
I will say that his Wonder Woman right now is my favorite Wonder Woman I've ever seen it's in very my life. Good. I'm very, very excited, though, for my jo- – uh, jo- I can't even pronounce his last name wrong. Jolan's uh, Wonder oh, Woman, yes. Kimmy Garcia. That looks yes. so good. <laughs> yes. Um, Those previews but, came out, and it looks so amazing. <laughs> but, like, Greg Capullo is not scared to draw Wonder Woman as, like, a beefcake. Yeah, for sure. She, I mean, she's got shoulders for days, and they gave her, like – cool ass shoulder pads and then they gave her like blue hair and i'm like hell yeah this is my diana every other diana sorry you're you're just you're never gonna match up to this there is no other diana for me but this one with her chainsaw my favorite is when they draw diana taller than bruce and clark because she should be she should be she's an amazon (laughs) she's an amazon she's literally a goddess i will say that clark and bruce are man enough to feel perfectly fine with a wonder woman who is taller than them like uh, I, th- they are man enough for that. I think my favorite in recent memory Clark, uh, Bruce and Diana scene is in Greg Rucker's Wonder Woman. I think it's the annual where they like all first meet. And yeah. I think I think Bruce is trying to get her secret identity, and she's like, "Why do you need to know this? Like, why do you why do you have to know everything?" <laughs> I feel like watching Justice League as a child, like the Justice League cartoon, made me just want them together. <laughs> There's only two. There's only two right couples in the in what comes to Batman. It's Batman and Catwoman and Batman and Diana. Those are the only two right ones. Everybody yes. else is wrong. I don't care what you think. Um, I do like when I like Talia Al Ghul as a character, but she should. I like, should I like them as a toxic relationship. But they're not exactly, good. exactly, exactly. She. I would like son. a Talia. Not good. I would like a Talia solo book. I would like again. This is. I, I think anybody could write a Talia solo book, but I think uh, Grant Morrison, if he ever wants to touch Batman again, would make a really fun Talia solo book because he wrote a really good evil Talia. I love his evil Talia. I will say, I want there to be a Talia, Talia solo book, and I want it to come out near Mother's Day, and I want Ooh. all of the marketing to be about Mother's Day. <laughs> That's um, my dream book right now. And then, like, you know, I want the whole thing to be basically her deciding, I do miss my son. I do wish he was back with me instead of doing whatever he's doing and just the entire thing yeah the entire thing is almost like a you know just just kind of like has all these horror elements of like exploring a mom-son relationship like i would i would live for that uh so i don't want to keep you too late lizzie we've been going for about almost an hour at this point (laughs) i'm clearly very good at rambling about batman is what we've learned yeah, and I want to talk more about that, man, maybe another time. Uh, but uh, I want to go through some questions that I came up with to kind of hone in your Batman. All right. Um, are we questioning my knowledge? No, or are we knowledge. just like, no, my taste? I would never do that. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I was think like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to go so poorly. I can't remember anything. <laughs> no, I, just, I want your opinions on these thoughts okay. that I always have about Batman. Okay, uh, so. I'm ready. Uh, so how do you personally relate to each Robin? And this can include Carrie Kelly, if you want to, and Stephanie Brown, but it doesn't have to. I will say that I don't like The Dark Knight Returns. I don't think it's a good book. I don't think it holds up. Um, I think Carrie has a lot of potential, and I would love to see her explored by somebody who's not Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, but overall, she's not a character I like connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, to be frank, I, this is <laughs> this is going to upset one of my contributors if he listens to this. I'm so sorry, Charles. I do not like Stephanie as a Robin. 
Um, Stephanie as a Robin was a, a filling point to show you how much Tim was needed <laughs> in a lot of ways. I know, I know. Stephanie's and... a great Batgirl. Don't get me wrong. Such a good Batgirl, and she's a good spoiler right now. I'm fine with mm-hmm. her as spoiler or Batgirl. Um, I honestly think Cassandra would have been a more interesting choice for Robin, to be honest. But... However, it is a really fun issue in Teen Titans where uh, Superboy tries to find Robin and finds Stephanie as Robin. He goes, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> you're you're not timothy yeah <laughs> um in regards to like the og robins um i do this thing with comic book characters i really care about where i call them by their full name so you're That's... rarely gonna hear me say dick grayson i'm always gonna say richard um i have this thing well richard and jason are the only ones that i will actively like thirst for mm-hmm. i always think like Dick is the one I'm dating, and then I leave him for Jason. <laughs> I think that's where a lot. Like, that's how everybody grows up in a lot. Yeah, of ways. like I mean, that's Batman's a family drama, right? That fits yeah. in. It's fine. Um, and Tim's always the brother that you kind of think is cute, but you don't want to talk to that much. Tim Tim Drake is the best Robin because he is the best at being Robin, but mm-hmm. he's not my favorite Robin. But I I do know there's a lot of Tim Drake lovers, and I think. You know, with my rankings of the Robins, a lot of people assume I don't love Tim. That's not true. Tim has a very big place in my heart. It's There's just a lot of people that, that hate Tim, too, though. And I will, I'll fight them. I'll do it. But I think Tim is one of those characters. He doesn't need my help. He has it figured out. Except his name. He's, a, you know, I haven't read it, so it's not canon. Hey, th- that run is really fun, except for that part. <laughs> I have no desire to read any more of Bendis' DC. That's fair. Uh, but That's I what I've decided. Because it's everything I wanted in a lot of ways. Um, he looks like he works for UPS. That's all I'm Hey, saying. but if anybody was going to work for UPS, it would probably be Tim Drake. Probably be Tim Drake. That's not I true. Guess. I think Richard would happily work for UPS. Yeah, I think they both would, honestly. They would both be mailmen. <laughs> Um, and then Jason would be right behind him with Damien stealing all the mail. Absolutely, I think I think Jason is best when he has a lot of humor. Um, I think if you're going by rankings of Robins, which I understand wasn't the question, after Damien for me is Jason, not as Robin, but just as like Red Hood. Mm-hmm. He is the worst Robin, which is why it makes him the best Red Hood. Which I understand yeah. the only other Red Hood is Joker, but it, it's the point is still there. Yeah. Um, I think Jason means a lot to me because he, he has just a lot of chaotic energy. I have a lot of chaotic energy. I haven't done the amount of illegal things he has, but you know, there's it's, still time. it's there's still time and there's similar energy there. Um, Damien is in my club of children I would adopt, even though I never want to have children. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of my cat because he's a little shit, but he's so cute. Um, I will, I think I've written like four things about Damian Wayne. There's a lot to be written about Damian. Yeah. I think one of the most popular articles still on our site is me explaining why Damian Wayne is not white. So that well, matters to me. Yeah. Right. No. You know, <laughs> some colors get really confused and then some authors apparently get fused and call him things like Ian. I don't know. What? 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 I don't know who that meant. That's what? real. When did that happen? Uh, the... Uh, children's graphic novel, S- Super Sons Solar Project. 
I gave it a two. Oh boy. (laughs) I was, I was, I think that was generous personally. Um, so, so moving on to the next question. This one is a bit uh, heavier than the last one. I don't even know if I answered that question, to be honest, but we'll uh, call it an answer. We can talk about, we can make a whole episode just about Rob. We could. Um, do you think there's a place in modern comic books? I mean, it, there is because it's still being published, but do you think it's a rightful place in modern comics for billionaire heroes like Batman or Iron Man? I think it's so difficult. And, like, this is a weird conundrum I've been having because, obviously, mm-hmm. billionaires are not good. Um, and I, I think there's a place there because, at the end of the day, fiction is kind of about an ideal world. And I almost would like a Batman book that, like, where Batman has to come to terms with, like, the fact he's part of systematically the problem with being a billionaire and not investing in Gotham and instead investing in his own trauma fantasy. And I would like the idea of him coming to terms with that and then deciding he would almost rather be selfish and continue his trauma fantasy. Like that would be a really interesting Elseworld story. Um, I think at the end of the day, they have a place in comics because they've always been there. And mm-hmm. comics is similar to, like, I guess the law. It's based on precedent. Mm-hmm. It's based on what comes before it. Um, and also, <laughs> comics is a lot of plot holes, and it's really easy to fill that plot hole with money. Yeah, I don't know how many times Bruce has lost his money for plot. I mean, he just did last issue. Uh, yeah, I'm so sure okay. we're doing this again. So like, he'll get it back because you know Catwoman has his account information. But like, the point of the matter is, like, it's just it's constant. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you can tell a Batman story that has a lot of real world implications, but you have to do it well. And I also think that's kind of why Jason's an important character. Yeah. Like Jason should be calling him out on this. Jason should be saying, You're never gonna do good for the world like you want to because you're hoarding amounts of wealth, because you're refusing to give back to your own community outside of your own trauma fest. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I imagine DC is afraid to touch that because <laughs> that's probably a sore subject. But I think there's a place for it. But I also think there should be a place for characters who more or less call them out. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's OK to like flawed characters. Batman is a very flawed character. You do not like characters because of their perfections. You like them because of their flaws. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, no, I I agree with you with all of that where it comes to, especially like the idea of people trying to push characters to be perfect. It's like, well, you can, like Superman, you can call a perfect character, but the thing is he's too perfect and that's where his flaws come in because he can't do everything he wants. He can't save all the lives he wants to. Uh, and that's where the flaws come in because he, his, his, in a way, his good ego is too big. Yeah. I think that's why uh, Up in the Sky is really good because it's him spending so much time to save one person and you see all the costs along the way for that. Absolutely. Uh, So the next question is kind of somewhat related. Um, If Bruce retires again, which you never know, um, who do you want to see take up the cow? I would like to see Cassandra take it. I think Cassandra's a really good fit. I think otherwise, I mean, 
Dick Grayson is my favorite Batman. But and we've seen Tim kind of taking it up too. I don't like Tim as Batman because I don't Tim think Tim is pe- scary. Yeah, I don't. I don't want him to get that dark. I like my Timothy where he is, even if it's at UPS. If that's what makes him happy, um, I think Cassandra could do it. I think Cassandra would do it well. I would love to see Batman disappear, and instead of what's clearly Nightwing filling Batman's shoes, it is some tiny Asian girl who can whoop your butt. Like and Cassandra, I think- her old costume back. I like the black bat costume with her mouth sewn. I love that. It's so good. I think that's horrifying. I think that is a terrifying thing to see. That comic part, is so underrated. Part of what makes Batman so scary is that they are scared of him because they mm-hmm. don't know what he is 100%. Like, everything is always, you know, obviously the answer ends up being money, but they don't know that. They don't know how he's doing this. So the idea of having Cassandra in that suit and... A completely different, clearly a different person than Bruce. She's much smaller. She's she fights differently. She, you know, she handles interrogations very differently. Mm-hmm. And also, she's a lot more brutal. And I think yeah, she's willing to cross further lines than Bruce really is comfortable with. I think she would horrify the Gotham's Rogues Gallery, and I think it would kind of be one of those, you know, where you have an arms race of like, well, now I have to be more horrible, and it could yeah, be a really seriously. interesting story. And I would love to see a good Cassandra book where she gets to be just brutal. And like, and it gives you a perfect opportunity to make like Viva the main bad guy for once. Absolutely. And that that's always fun because I feel like Lady Shiva always gets put up against bad characters. I would I would like to see her go against Lady Shiva. I would also really like to see Cassandra take down a Black Mask operation. Yeah, I mean that's really what. I felt like a lot of her book was back when she first got introduced was her just going after mobster. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of like almost flipping the idea of a detective story since Cassandra's mm-hmm. not necessarily known as a detective and that's not necessarily her, her comfort level as it is opposed to Bruce or Tim. I think making her do that because she's taken on the mantle instead of, you know, just punching the answer, you know, that would be really, really interesting. Um, dynamic to create so i would love to see cast take it um the next question is like the idea of a reboot's always hanging above everybody's head so with that in mind do you think our character the characters that we love should age at all i like when they age in elseworld stories but you don't think the main canon should age at all not really uh well mostly because yeah I think there's always new readers coming aboard and you mm-hmm. kind of always want to read Batman in his prime. Yeah. 32. Yeah. So I, I, I like the idea that his age is pretty ambiguous. He could be anywhere from 30 to 50. We'll never know. The point of the matter is he's in his prime. And when he's not in his prime, it's an Elseworld story. <laughs> For it's example, also like, Dark Knight <laughs> Returns. <laughs> when he's not in his prime, he's still in his prime. Yeah. Yeah, he's never not in his prime. I think about how many times in the Batman Beyond book, since that's technically canon, how Bruce is like saved the day still. Oh, yeah. Because he's he's like a micromanager. He can't yeah. just let things be. <laughs> it's like, I think in one of the recent books, they had to build a brand new Batcave in the and And like Terry goes, how, wh- when did you have time? He's like, I'm rich. I always have time to do stuff like this. Still Batman. And Terry's like, you are too rich. Yeah, you should give that back 
to, um, I don't know, the infrastructure in the community of Gotham? No? Pay taxes, Bruce, please. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a few taxes. Give some crumbs. Um, do you have, speaking of Elseworlds, do you have a favorite out of canon story then? Uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Oh, Gotham by Gaslight. It's great. Now, do you like the sequel to Gotham by Gaslight too? I, f- I don't even know if I've read it. So clearly if I did, it didn't make an impact. It's not, I don't think it's as good, but it is interesting. Um, and then last question is, do you have a team, like a, a dream team for uh, any of the vet family? Like a creative team or like, yeah. t- like, mm. I mean, I would want it to be all women. So I would like to see Joelle Jones on a Batman book. I love her art. I would love her to do the art of the Batman book. Um, Tomorrow Bolivian could easily do the colors. I don't know a female letterist off my head, which is sad because there clearly are. Yep. There was a female letterist in um, uh, Superman Fights the Clan. I don't remember her name off my head, but I remember she did good. She can have that job. (laughs) And she's an Asian American woman. That book is too good for the society today. That everybody keeps saying they can't make a Superman movie. And I'm like, it's right there. It is right there, my dude. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those are all the questions I had. Uh, so at the, at the end here, Lizzie, what would you like to plug for uh, everybody to check out? Uh, if you want to read about anything I've written on Batman, um, which I mean, I've written everything from listicles of Batman books you can pick up to so just about reviews on any Batman comic you can think of currently. Uh, that's over at butwhythepodcast.com. If you think I'm funny and would like to hear me make more jokes, you can listen to my comedy podcast where myself and my co-host Ash make each other watch usually horrible pieces of media. And then we talk about it. And that's why am I watching this? Uh, you can find that on podcast services, and it's also on butwhythepodcast.com. And I, I'll, I'll recommend the live-action Avatar one, because I listen to it, and it's very, very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and Lizzie, on social media, do you, where, where can they find you? Yes, you can find me at Lizzie Lynn Garcia to give me all of your hot takes about Punchline, and particularly. Liz, Lizzie will respond in kind. I will. I will. If you are the CEO of Punchline's titties and you're listening to this, please answer my questions. I need to know if you took out a PPP loan and I need to know if your company files as a 501c. It's just really important to me. It's actually a religion and it gets a tax break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, in the description, you'll find uh, some links to help show Black Lives Matter. Um, there should be still to Uppercut's Pride merch if it's still going on. I'll have to double check. Um, the Twitter for the podcast is Comics Matter Pod. Uh, Facebook, because I have some people that I still have to reach on there, sadly, is uh, com slash comic, book ma- comic books matter. I need to say these right. Uh, Patreon, if you want to donate, but you don't have to, is patreon.com slash comics. Uh, I keep saying comics. That's always the thing I slip up on. Thanks. Comic books matter. Uh, and the email is at comicbooksmatter at gmail.com. And if you want to be a guest, have questions for guests, or have a story about how comics impacted you and want it read on air, you can contact me on any of these platforms. I'm looking at them every day. 
the logo for the show is by my friend Steven, and the theme is Join the Restaurant by David Zetsi, and I found it on freemusicarchive.com. And uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. He has to talk first. Anyways. He scared the fuck out of me. He's so scary every oh time. Oh my god, Craig, why? This will go somewhere in the podcast. Uh- <laughs>